If you've been listening for a while, you know that I love to work out and do yoga. With that, though, comes sore muscles and some aches and pains. That's why I'm excited to partner with Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA, is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, and it's also great for sleep and anxiety. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. Tanasi is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Did you know that 97% of women don't get enough vitamin D from their diet? Yes, facts. That's where today's partner, Ritual, comes in. Spring in Chicago can be cold and cloudy, and I haven't seen the sun for a few weeks. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. It's a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking your multis actually enjoyable. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Visit ritual.com slash sober mom for 25% off. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello. It's a solo episode. I have not done a solo episode in a little bit. I just wanted to touch base with everybody. If you're doing Dry July, if you are just brand new on this sober, sober, curious journey, let's just touch base. Let's have a little chat. I also, oh man, I've been wanting to do this episode about moderation for a long time. And I'm going to be honest, I keep putting it off because it feels really big. And it feels like I need to come equipped with data and facts and science about alcohol and the brain and what it does to us. And you guys know, if you've listened to you know more than five seconds of this podcast, you know that I am not a 
to the scientist. I am not a researcher. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a lot of numbers and facts. I am more interested always in mental health and kind of behavior and how we how we act and and how we feel and emotions and all of that soft science stuff. Is that what it's called? Soft science? I don't know, guys. Science, I'm just not a scientist. <laughs> and so I've been putting off doing the episode, but I don't want to put it off anymore because I think that this can be really timely. If you are doing dry July and you're like, yes, you know what? I'm feeling good. There is nothing to see here. I was able to cut alcohol out of my life for 24 days so far, and uh, I'm counting down. I'm counting down to when I quote unquote can drink again, and now I can just, you know, fit alcohol into my life in an orderly fashion, and uh, there's nothing to see here. I've talked a lot about when we take a break from alcohol and how we can look at that break. It's common to take these breaks, which great, any sort of break that you give your body and your mind from alcohol is a win. Any sort of break, whether that's a day or 30 days, it's a win, right? But I think the temptation is always there to count down and to look at through the lens of the absence of alcohol, right? And that colors everything. I am learning that perspective is pretty much everything. It's all about how we think about things and the perspective that we choose to look at things. And so if you're doing dry July and you're noticing your life with the absence of alcohol, meaning if you are focusing on the gaps that alcohol leaves behind, because let's be honest, if you've been drinking your whole adult life, there will be gaps, right? There will be places where you would normally pour a glass of wine and now you're not and you're counting down to when you quote unquote can do that again because and here's the work of sobriety. It's what are we going to choose to fill in the gaps that alcohol leaves behind? And that's that perspective shift, right? So it's not, I'm not looking at my life of, oh, this would be so much more fun if I drank alcohol. It's like, wait a second. Is that just a lie we're continuing to tell ourselves? Because you guys, spoiler alert, that is a lie. And when we choose instead to focus on things that will actually help us cope and, yes, escape and feel things and heal and connect and uh, have fun and all of those things that will actually help, I think you will find yourself not counting down to when you can drink again, but actually focusing on a full and gratifying and nourished life. And that's what my sobriety has always been about. My sobriety has never been about the absence of alcohol, right? I always talk about not living our sobriety in the shadow of alcohol. I left alcohol back in January 2020. It has no place in my sobriety. I'm too good for alcohol. We are too damn good to let that little fucker come in and, uh, continue to trick us and lie to us and steal the magic and the fun and the connection and everything that we need for a full life. And so I want to try to tackle this moderation piece today 
And this is probably not going to be my first episode on moderation because I think moderation is a huge topic and it can be a stumbling block to sobriety. And I know that when I was moderating alcohol, I didn't know that I was moderating alcohol. I wasn't thinking, okay, so how can I moderate this highly addictive substance? I didn't think of it in those terms. I just thought I was doing what everyone else was doing and that was drinking alcohol and somehow, you know, trying to manage how I can control this very uncontrollable substance, which I didn't know at the time, and then also live my life. I thought alcohol was just a part of life. I thought that this was a thing. There would always be this push and pull. There would always be this kind of puzzle, this puzzle that I I just had to figure out how I could fit it into my life. And it seemed like everyone else was doing it and everyone else knew what they were doing and knew when to drink and when not to drink and how much to drink. And I'm going to tell you that that is also a lie, that when we are doubting our relationship with alcohol, when we are questioning it, when we are thinking, God, something isn't right. I'm not doing this right. I feel so much shame when I drink too much, when I promised myself I wouldn't, or I just keep getting tricked and it must be something wrong with me because everyone around me seems to be doing okay and no one's talking about it. And so I'm not going to talk about it. And you guys, that I think is probably the most dangerous trick of all is because no one is talking about it. No one is talking about the shame that we feel when we drink too much, when we promised ourselves we wouldn't. And no, it is not just addicts who do this. It is not just people who are addicted to alcohol. That's not it. It is people every day, people like you and like me who, and it's not quote unquote alcoholics. You know, I hate that term. It's way too nebulous and dangerous and it kept me drinking and it kept me feeling like I had to figure out this thing. And no one talks about it especially women, we are not talking about the shame we feel around our drinking and even questioning because we are taught that if we question it, that means we will be labeled, we will have to go to AA, and we will forever be in this cage that alcohol has created. And that's the danger because the science shows that alcohol is very addictive. Alcohol is always listed in the top five most addictive drugs, right? It's just as addictive as nicotine and opioids. It's on there. Like it's it's on the list, you guys, cocaine. And no one would bat an eye if, if we say, I'm done using cocaine because I, I can't figure out how to use cocaine and have it be a part of my life. Everyone would say, that's amazing good for you because it's very well known how addictive cocaine is, right? Nicotine. No one's ever saying, what, you can't be like a normal smoker? Why can't you just like fit it into your life? Like in an, in an orderly fashion, like just smoke, but don't let it affect you and don't get addicted. No one's doing that. That sounds batshit crazy because it is. When we talk about moderating alcohol, it is the same thing. 
because of the powers that be, because of big alcohol, because of marketing, it has been a genius, genius move on big alcohol's part to separate alcohol from drugs, right? And then that goes even farther to separate wine from alcohol, right? The fact is alcohol is alcohol, no matter if it's in a pretty pink bottle, no matter if it's called mom water, which does that make my blood boil? No matter if it's in France, no matter if you're in Italy, no matter if it's Jack Daniels, no matter if it's insert any sort of form that alcohol comes in. It's all alcohol, it's ethanol, and it's highly, highly addictive. Okay. How does this play into moderation? So you might be doing dry January. You might have some sober time under your belt, some alcohol-free time, right? And you're thinking, see, nothing to see here. I don't have a quote-unquote problem. I don't have a problem. I'm able to quit. Look it. I did 30 days without it. Now I can get back to it. Here is where society has failed us. Just one of the the ways, guys. This idea that in order for sobriety to be an option, you have to have a drinking problem, right? This is just another one of those big lies and tricks. Never would we say that some people have a smoking problem and some people who smoke don't have a smoking problem. Never would we say that because it is very clear that cigarettes are a problem and that nicotine is a problem. It is the same with alcohol. It is the same thing. Yes, it's a spectrum, right? And it's a spectrum of addiction. And the more alcohol you drink, the more likely it is you will be addicted. That's just the science. Now it's the professionals and the healthcare professionals, no one should be using this term alcoholic. It's it's too nebulous. So it's alcohol use disorder, right? And it's a spectrum. And when you think about being addicted, think about cigarettes, think about sugar. The more sugar you allow into your life, the more likely it is you'll be addicted, right? And so there are different ways to cope and you don't have to turn to sugar when you're feeling sad, I've heard. <laughs> I wouldn't know that because I do turn to sugar when I'm sad. And the fact remains, I'm addicted to sugar. I am fully addicted to sugar, okay? That's not a weakness in me. I don't feel shame in it. It's not a weakness in me that I became addicted to an addicted substance when I let it in my life and I turned to it to celebrate and to cope and to connect and to feel better. Yes, That resulted in me getting addicted to sugar, okay? Alcohol is no different. Alcohol is very clearly the problem. You, the drinker, are not the problem. There are not some people who can magically not become addicted to alcohol if they drink enough of it. There there are not normies and there are not alcoholics who there's some weakness in them that they get addicted. That is not the case. Are there different ways that different people cope? Yes, of course. There are good ways to cope and nourishing ways to cope and destructive ways to cope. 
And do some people turn to alcohol to cope, thus getting addicted more quickly? Yes. Right? It's a way to put the shame off of you if you are struggling fitting alcohol into your life in an orderly fashion. We have been taught, and things like AA and all of this semantic stuff, this alcoholic talk, we, we have been taught that it is a shameful thing to, to get addicted to alcohol. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I can't start from a place of shame. If I start from a place of feeling like something is inherently wrong with me, if I am a problem, if that's my starting point, I mean, I might as well just shrivel up in a ball on my closet floor because that is going to do me no good. Instead, I can figure out the truth about alcohol and how addictive it is and then look lovingly and with care at ways that I have used it to cope in the past, right? Not as a way of saying, how could you, what's wrong with you? Immediately label yourself an alcoholic forever and you're forever powerless to alcohol even when you're not drinking it. I can't do that. And I refuse to do that. And I'm here to tell you three and a half years into sobriety, you do not have to do that in order to live a full sober life away from the shadow of alcohol. I got asked, and I think that this was probably the most interesting question I've been asked. And someone asked it on Instagram. They sent me a DM and she said, okay, just tell me, is sobriety really easier than moderating? And I loved this question because I think it got right down to it. It cut through the bullshit and it was like, just just tell me, okay, just give it to me straight. Is sobriety really easier than moderating? And to her, my response was a resounding yes. That is exactly it. I want to talk about why sobriety is easier than moderating. I also want to point out that the moderation piece might be a crucial step and a crucial part of your sober, sober curious journey. And that's okay. I get it. I get that sobriety going full out on sobriety might feel like, well, I mean, doesn't this seem kind of dramatic when, you know, I was fine. Like I could drink two glasses of wine at a time. Like I I could. It might seem drastic and I get it. And so the moderation piece might be critical for you to try and figure out if sobriety is easier than moderation, if moderation is easy. I'm going to say, can you moderate alcohol? Can you moderate a highly addictive substance? And here's where it gets sticky. You can moderate your behavior around a highly addictive substance right? You have probably had some success doing that. You know, those nights when you say, okay, here's the rule. I'm going to drink two glasses of wine with one glass of water in between. You come home and you did it. 
You drank two glasses of wine. Maybe you didn't even finish the second one and you drank a glass of water in between. And wow, does that feel good, right? You feel like, all right, I knew I didn't have a quote unquote problem. See, we're all good. You might even do that the next time. And you might even make a a rule to say, you know what? I'm only drinking Friday and Saturday. That's it. And you might stick to that. And your confidence might be bolstered. And then, and then. And here is what always, and I'm going to say 100% of the time comes up with the women that I talk to when moderation is a part of their story. And it's almost always a part of your story, right? It's the stages of change that my mom and I talked about in that episode. So it might be a part of your story. There is always the, no, you know, it was going well. Like I I moderated and I was able to do it. And then, and then. There comes a time when your guard is down, when you forgot your rules, when the alcohol does its thing on your brain, which means it affects your impulse control, and you make these rules with a clear head when alcohol is not in your brain, and then you're out and alcohol does its thing. It Alcohol does what it's going to do, guys. I've talked about it before, but alcohol doesn't give a fuck. Alcohol doesn't care if you made rules when you were at home and now you you need to stick to those rules. Alcohol doesn't care if you have to drive home. Alcohol doesn't care if it's your wedding. Alcohol doesn't care if it's the first time you're meeting your boyfriend's parents. Alcohol doesn't care if you're married. Alcohol doesn't fucking care about you. And I know that sounds a little silly. Like, well, of course. But I think we count on alcohol to care. And we feel like something's wrong with us when alcohol does its thing. Okay? And so you make these plans. When you are clear-headed, you are hydrated, you are feeling good, and you're feeling like, yep, you know what? I've gotten this moderation piece down. Something happens. Other people buy you a shot or you're feeling relaxed and your willpower and your control of your behavior slips, right? Because you're human and because alcohol is addictive. Please don't forget that alcohol is addictive. I know that I say it a lot, but I say it a lot because we forget and we forget about tolerance and all of the the things that go into us wanting more of an addictive substance. And so your guard slips. You end up drinking more than you had planned, whether that's you plan on drinking two and you drink five, or you planned on drinking three and you drink a bottle and a half, whether that means you brown out or you black out. And then, and then it is this shame spiral that I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you know about the shame spiral. And the shame spiral is never, why did alcohol do this to me? The shame spiral is 
always, how could I let this happen? How did this happen again? What is wrong with me that I couldn't control it? When I've been controlling it for the last month, for the last two months, when I did dry July, what is wrong with me that I did this again? Again, what did I say? What did I do? I can't remember. Where are my keys? Where is my phone? Oh, you guys. I just want to take a moment and I want to wrap you up in love and understanding and care. And I want to nurture you for anyone who can feel in the center of your chest that shame spiral because it's awful. It is fucking awful. And here's the most heartbreaking thing is that this is where society has tricked us because we have been convinced that if we can't moderate a highly addictive substance, there's something wrong with us. And we are left to report straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic. And that, I'm telling you, is a big fucking lie because there is nothing wrong with you if you can't moderate a highly addictive substance. This is also what I think about anytime someone asks me, is moderation really harder than sobriety? In sobriety, yes, there is work. There's work to be done. There's therapy. There is discovery. There is change. There is fear. Oh God, there's all of the feelings, right? There's all of the feelings in sobriety, but there is not this. There is not the shame. And I don't know about you guys, but I would take every single emotion available to me over shame, over that shame spiral. I think that shame is probably the most debilitating and heartbreaking emotion, at least for me, to feel continually. And it's super self-destructive because what we know about shame is that we will do a whole lot to avoid feeling it. And that's where alcohol comes back in. When we feel that shame spiral, it feels impossible. It feels impossible to look at the shame, to lock eyes with our shame. And so we will drink to avoid feeling shame. But then what happens? What happens then when our moderation tools run out? What happens when alcohol does its thing? It's that vicious cycle. We make more promises. We white knuckle and we say, no, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not, I, I learned it's because I didn't eat. I didn't eat. I have to eat. It's because I didn't drink enough water. It's because Susie bought me a shot. It's because all of these things, right? And we say, here's, here's what I did wrong. Here's what I did wrong. And here's what I'm not going to do again. And then that lasts for a while until, 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 until. And when I talk about freedom in sobriety, this is what I'm talking about. I can't tell you the relief I felt 
on that morning on the couch when I decided, and it was a decision, I talk a lot about deciding on here, and it is a decision. You don't have it all figured out before you decide. You decide, and then you figure it out. But when I decided, I was done. In that next week, when I started to look at my life and think about the future, I did not feel fear about what if I want to drink in Italy. I wasn't even going to Italy. I did not feel that fear. I felt relief that the mental gymnastics of moderation and the rules and the doubting and the the shame and the not being able to count on myself, that that was gone. There was no longer a question mark. And do you know how good that feels that there's no longer a question mark? I know how I f- will feel when I wake up tomorrow morning. I know how I will act when I go out with my friends. I know what I will say. I know that I can count on me. And alcohol is a barrier to all of that. It's not an obstacle. It's a barrier. It's not an obstacle that you have to get over and you have to figure out how to do it and how to make it work in your life. That's an obstacle. Alcohol is not an obstacle. Alcohol is a barrier to who you are, who you are meant to be, and who you truly are. It's getting in the way, and it's gotten in the way too many times. Whether that's for you, whether that's once, whether that's a dozen times, whether that's years, it doesn't have to happen anymore. Is moderation possible? Yes. And that is what makes it very hard to realize that while moderation can be possible for a time, life beyond moderation is so free. It is so much better. Annie Grace, who I know you guys have probably listened to or read This Naked Mind. If you have not, I highly recommend that to figure out what alcohol is and just to kind of unbrainwash. She says, and this is my new favorite saying, she says 99% is a bitch, 100% is a breeze. And I'm telling you, staying in the cage of alcohol, whether that's moderation, whatever that looks like for you, all of the rules that you've set up, all of the guardrails, the guidelines, that's a cage. It's a cage and it's really fucking scary to step out of it. You don't know what's out there, right? Sometimes our cages could feel safe, but it's a cage. And I'm telling you, If you give yourself a chance to see what it is like on the other side of moderation, that's where the freedom is. 
I think that I want to remind you that there's a lot of noise out there. There will be a lot of questions of, wait, you're done drinking? Does that mean like forever? Like for good? You didn't have a problem. There's going to be a lot of noise because not everyone understands this yet. It is my mission to make sure everyone does understand it and we start thinking and talking differently about quote-unquote normal drinkers and moderation and sobriety and alcohol-free lifestyles. But we're not there yet. Those questions and that noise are just obstacles. Those are not barriers. Alcohol is the barrier. You can get over those obstacles. You can keep coming back to what you know. You can keep coming back whenever those thoughts of, I mean, doesn't this seem drastic? Doesn't this seem dramatic? Doesn't this seem too much? And the answer is yes. How amazing is that? How amazing is it that you get to change at 40 years old, 45, 50, 55, 60, that you get to do it differently than you've always done it. And then you get to learn what you like. You get to learn what makes you feel loved and cared for and nourished and connected. You get to choose differently than you've always done it. And is that drastic? Yes. And how amazing is that? How amazing is it that you took the leap and that you didn't wait for rock bottom? You didn't wait to become addicted to an addictive substance. You didn't keep yourself in the cage. You released yourself from the cage to see if you could fly. And I promise you, you can fly. You could always fucking fly. And now... You get to give yourself a chance to see. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.